Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. 
thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. Happy Thursday to all of you. It is so great to be with you. I missed you all. We've, uh, we're last on the air on Tuesday. We had a fantastic show, and we had a great show on Monday as well. Uh, we had yesterday off, uh, but it's, like I said, it's fantastic to be with all of you. Uh, the weekend is approaching, which is always a great feeling and a, a huge relief. I hope wherever you are in the world, I hope it's all go, your, your, uh, your day is going accordingly. I hope everything in your life is well. Um, let's get to it, though. First and foremost, every episode, I'd like to thank my co-hosts, my audience, my, my sponsors, and my amazing guests. You guys are all incredible. And uh, don't forget, we are now listened to and downloadable in 22 different countries, and we're on over 60 online platforms. So you can find us in so many different places, and uh, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and God bless all of you, I tell you. So, uh, big last couple days in the media. Uh, yesterday and today, huge days. Uh, we got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, first and foremost, I want to welcome, uh, I have some people on the line. Let's start with talk show. Oh, no, actually, hold on a second. Uh... Okay, doctor, award-winning career, uh, wait, no, I got that, hold on a second, hold on, I'm looking at my list right now, okay, here it is, we have on the line, we have doctor, award-winning speaker, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, Arizona superintendent of public instruction for 2018 candidate, and the commissioner, and currently the commissioner of parks and recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Branch, how are you? I am fantastic on this Thursday night. Rory, how are you tonight? Doing well. Great to have you here, sir. Um, I also want to welcome on the line lobbyist, political activist, and political strategist, Josh Halavate. How are you, buddy? Doing really well. And, and let me just say this real quick. It is super awesome that we had Dr. Branch on for the last three shows because his insight is incredible. Hey, yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Much. He really, he, he really is. And uh, we also have the, on the line with us. We have um, we have Pam. Um, let let me let me get uh, hold on a second. Um, we have activists and a contributor to Western Free Press and the founder of the papers Backpaper.com, Pamela Adams. How are you? Hey Rory, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing really well. Great to have you here. Um, we have so many great guests coming on, guys. Um, in the coming hours, we have great people with us right now. I want to get into the main topic. Uh, let's start out with Michael Cohen. Um, you know, this, this whole political circus yesterday, you know, him lying consecutively over and over. I mean, he is the definition of a pathological liar. You know, he, he wanted uh, to be by Trump so bad and get a job with Trump, and Trump turned him down, and Trump, you know, uh, didn't have him around as much. And uh, Michael Cohen got, you know, jealous. Uh, that uh, you know th- that wasn't his uh, his guy anymore. They weren't they weren't as close of friends, um, you know, in the recent in the recent months. And I think that has something to do uh, with the whole Mueller situation. You know, I think obviously Mueller got him, but at the same time, uh, Michael Cohen is bitter and he's butthurt that he didn't get a job at the White House. And for him to say in the courtroom uh, that he never wanted a job in the White House is absolutely disgraceful because there's video of him saying it from a few years ago. And, uh, you know, the fact that he, him and Trump were friends for so many years and knew each other, uh, you know, they knew everything about each other, their personal life, you know, they hung around each other. 
constantly, and then for him to, you know, backstab Trump like this, I mean, it's, it's disgraceful. It's disgusting. You know, um, I never trusted Michael Cohen. I haven't trusted him since day one. I, ever since he got on the TV for the first time years ago when President Trump started running and he was helping Trump with the campaign, I knew something off was, was off about that guy. There was something not right. And, uh, you know, I will say I do think Mueller um, has, you know, a lot of control over Cohen. But at the same time, Cohen has the ultimate choice at the end of the day not to, you know, be a, a scumbag uh, to his past boss and friend and uh, just say all this untrue things to slander his name and to totally go AWOL. I mean, it's totally unacceptable, and we know why he did it, because Mueller is telling him that he'll get a reduced sentence, he'll get, you know, lesser consequences, he'll get this, obviously, this book deal, possibly a movie. We heard him say that yesterday in the court. I mean, it's just constant, constant. And, you know, the the fact that he was involved and connected with so many Democratic uh, politicians, such as uh, the Clintons, the Clintons hired uh, Lanny Davis in the past, and that's who Michael Cohen is using to represent him. So nobody can tell me that this is not set up by the Clintons. Lanny Davis and the Clintons are like best friends. And Lanny Davis is a known scumbag liberal. He's, he's as sneaky and, uh, you know, scummy as they get. Very corrupt. And uh, he's definitely involved in, in bed with the swamp. So that is something very, uh, you know, nerve-wracking. And the fact that Michael Cohen was talking to Adam Schiff right before testifying yesterday, getting advice, not good. Not good. I mean, if that was a Republican, I mean, that's, you know, it would be all hell would break loose. Uh, but since it's a Democrat, they, all, they get all these special privileges. It's ridiculous. Let's play these clips, though. Oh, my God. Um, one, four. Again, going to prison. 
Yeah, I, I want to play. I want to play another clip right here too. This is, I mean, just just some of the questions that were asked. I want to make sure that you and I meet uh, one day. While right, right here. Trump asked you to threaten an individual or entity on his behalf. Quite a few times. Oh, Fifty times more. A hundred times more. Two hundred times more. Five hundred times probably. Over the over the ten years. Over the ten years, he asked you. And when you say threaten, I'm talking with litigation or um, an argument with um, intimidation. A, a nasty reporter that has is writing an article. This is we got we got to play this too. This is another good one right here. Alrighty, I gotta I gotta wait till the clip pulls back up. But just just speaking on this though, you know, let's face the facts here. Michael Cohen is being called in to testify after he's a known liar. He's going to prison for lying, but for some weird reason, the Democrats are trying to use this guy's credibility like it's uh, like it's you know nothing's wrong with it. Like there's no. There's nothing dirty there. I mean, this guy is a known criminal. He's a known manipulator. He's a known liar. He's a known con man. And the fact that he's ratting out lies and, and making fake accusations to make himself look better and to make himself, you know, look like somewhat of a hero, I guess, uh, to the, I mean, the left are claiming he's a hero. I mean, certain stupid people on the left said he deserved a, a purple heart. I mean, no. Uh, what was it? A uh, medal uh, of honor. Not, not a medal. Yeah, Medal of Honor, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's just, it goes on and on, uh, the stupidity. But the fact that Michael Cohen is even, you know, is even in the public eye and even being taken seriously should scare anyone. This guy's going to prison for lying. You know, this guy, he wanted a job in the White House. Let's face it. This, this is part of the reason he's, he's doing this. And another part, obviously, is Mueller has him on a leash. But it's just it's, – it's crazy. It really is. Josh, go ahead. Well, you know, the thing I found most interesting, I think, was most telling of all, even, you know, yeah. even ignoring everything that he said in specifics, I think the more um, underlying broad things he said was more interesting and more telling. And I point to one thing that Cohen said that uh, really made my eyebrows go up, and this is one thing that – Everyone who is lying always says this. They say uh, when, when Cohen was talking to the media, I believe, after, he said uh, he thanked everybody for coming, and he, he said that, that uh, he thanked everyone for giving them the oppor- him the opportunity for him to be able to tell his truth. That's how you know yeah. someone's lying. If they say they're going to tell his truth, what, what do you yeah. mean your, your truth, my truth? Yeah. What, what is truth then? You know, if we want right. to talk about things that are true and things that are false. And look when he did it. He did it when they were in – when Trump's in – look when they did this whole thing. Trump's in North Korea. They could have waited to do this, but no. They didn't want any of the attention on North Korea. Instead, they wanted it directed towards, uh, you know, Cohen lying. I mean, it's absolutely disgraceful, the, the things that Democrats get away with. If this was a Republican that did that and Obama was away and it was a, a malicious sort of thing, we would be crucified. And it just goes into the whole double standard. I mean, this was planned. They knew Trump would be gone. You know, uh, Cohen is a a big pussy. He wasn't going to do it when Trump was there. 
You can tell Cohen's terrified that, you know, he may get beat up in prison. There were a few times where, uh, you know, people were calling him out, especially when um, I don't like Elijah Cummings, but he mentioned, you know, Cohen, you better watch. You better watch it saying the word rat because uh, in, our, in, the, in the neighborhood I represent in Maryland, uh, you get your ass beat for that. Same in prison. Are you a little nervous about that? And he, like, that was crazy. I did not see a Democrat, you know, giving that sort of response to Cohen. I mean, that was, a, that was quite something. I, uh, I do want to play this. I mean, this is just typical rhetoric right here from Cohen. Um, one, two. Never in a million years did I imagine when I accepted a job in 2007 to work for Donald Trump that he would one day run for the presidency to launch a campaign on a platform of hate and intolerance and actively win. I regret the day I said yes to Mr. Trump. I regret all the help and support I gave him along the way. I am ashamed of my own failings and publicly accepted responsibility for them by pleading guilty in the Southern District of New York. I am ashamed of my weakness and my misplaced loyalty of the things I did for Mr. Trump in an effort to protect and promote him. I am ashamed that I chose to take part in concealing Mr. Trump's illicit acts rather than listening to my own conscience. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist. Jesus. He is a con man. And he is a cheat. Good Lord. Let me play this other one real quick. Uh, where is it? Here it is. Um, here it is. One five. <clears throat> my job. Always stay on message. Always defend. Mr. Trump directed me to find a straw picker to purchase a portrait of him that was being auctioned off. Mr. Trump directed the Trump Foundation, which is supposed to be a charitable organization, to repay the fake despite keeping the art for himself. One of my more common responsibilities was that Mr. Trump directed me to call business owners many of whom are small businesses that were owed money for their services and told them that no payment or a reduced payment would be coming. When I asked Mr. Trump or when I told Mr. Trump of my success, he actually reveled in it. He asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and to lie about it to his wife, which I did. Mr. Trump directed me to use my own personal funds from a home equity line of credit to avoid any money being traced back to him that could negatively impact his campaign. And I did that too. Directed me to threaten his high school, his colleges, and the college board to never release his grades or SAT scores. I'm giving the committee today of a letter I sent at Mr. Trump's direction threatening these schools with civil and criminal actions if Mr. Trump's grades or SAT scores were ever disclosed without his permission. 
Mr. Trump tasked me to handle the negative press surrounding his medical deferment from the Vietnam draft. I was involved in several of these um, catch and kill episodes. There were times that I was asked, again, with Alan Weisselberg, the CFO, to go back and to speak with an individual from Forbes, because Mr. Trump wanted each year to have his net worth rise on the Forbes wealthiest individuals list. These financial statements were used by me when we were dealing later on with insurance companies. We would provide them with these copies so that they would understand that the premium based sometimes upon uh, the individual's capabilities to pay uh, would be reduced. These documents and others were provided to Deutsche Bank on one occasion where I was with them in our attempt to obtain money so that we can put a bid on the Buffalo Bills. Everybody's job at the Trump Organization is to protect Mr. Trump. Every day, most of us knew we were coming in and we were going to lie for him. Jeez, and then there's this one is, uh, I got it. This is a good one, too. He says right here, he does not have direct evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. I mean, this was probably the biggest, uh, you know, thing he said all day. And, you know, this is all stuff we already knew. I mean, this is not like it was anything, not like it was anything new, guys. I mean, this is, you know, the same old stuff. Here it is, though. One six. Questions have been raised about whether I know of direct evidence that Mr. Trump or his camp colluded with Russia. I do not, but I have my suspicions. Sometime in the summer of 2017, I read all over the media that there had been a meeting in Trump Tower in June of 2016 involving Don Jr. and others from the campaign with Russians, including a representative of the Russian government, and an email setting up the meeting with the subject line, Dirt on Hillary Clinton. Something clicked in my mind. I remember being in a room with Mr. Trump, probably in early June of 2016, when something peculiar happened. Don Trump Jr. came into the room and walked behind his father's desk, which in and of itself was unusual. People didn't just walk behind Trump's desk to talk to him. And I recall Don Jr. leaning over to his father and speaking in a low voice, which I could clearly hear and say, the meeting all set. And I remember Mr. Trump saying, okay, good, let me know. What struck me as I looked back and thought about the exchange between Don Jr. and his father was first, that Mr. Trump had frequently told me and others that his son Don Jr. had the worst judgment of anyone in the world. And also that Don Jr would never set up any meeting of significance alone, and certainly not without checking with his father. I also knew that nothing went on in Trump world, especially the campaign, without Mr. Trump's knowledge and approval. So I concluded that Don Jr. was referring to that June 2016 Trump Tower meeting about dirt on Hillary with the Russian representatives 
because I think Jordan and Meadows uh, filed with the DOJ something like eight or nine infractions that he did um, during this speech. So they're like, you need to look at this because he lied and, and he did these other things. So, yeah, you're right, Dr. Bob. He's adding to well, it. The other thing well, is that, anything he – Well, yeah, that's big. You just said something really big that they're they, – and that, that's something I wanted to say as well. They, are, they released today a report – Saying they're charged, they're going after investigating uh, Cohen for perjury. Keep going though. Well, and he deserves it. Well, the the other thing that he did is basically exonerated Trump from all the accusations the Dems are trying to impeach him for. For example, in one of the clips you played there, Lori, uh, Rory, he said that he used his personal funds to pay for the prostitute or for Stormy Daniels. Well, isn't one of the charges is Trump used campaign his campaign finances, which is against those laws, to do so? Well, Cohen just sat there and said, no, I used my personal account. So right there you're saying, yeah, maybe it was wrong. Maybe he shouldn't have done But he didn't violate any campaign laws. So there it takes off the table with that. And you could go through his whole testimony and find like that. It it was infuriating to watch because you knew he was lying, but like Dr. Bob and I said, seeing Dr. Jordan just kind of laugh at him, um, it was interesting. And then you also had the exchange between, oh, help me out with the, she's the new freshman Muslim. ALC Cortez. Oh, yes. No, 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 no. The um, uh, Talib, the I, Muslim? I live, yes. The Khalif. Uh, yeah, whichever one that, that called, um, I think it was Meadows, racist for bringing yep, that was um, totally up to leave. employees. Yes, yes. And I thought about it, and I was thinking, okay, if you don't invite people of color and only invite white, you're racist because you don't invite anybody of color. But if you invite somebody of color who has relevance to the situation, you're racist because you're just inviting them because of their color. It's, it's absolutely interesting. But again, I applauded because Meadows responded and he was very passionate yeah. about his response and saying, stop it. So that was good to see yeah. too. Hello. And you're Lori. absolutely right. It, it, yeah. Yeah. We'll introduce you here in a sec, Dan. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I wanted to Pam, you make a good point. And I wanted to say that, uh, you know, uh, with this whole situation, you know, what, what struck me as well, and when I, when I uh, you know, really um, listened yesterday, when, when Michael Cohen brought up the fact that Lanny Davis was representing him for free, very, very suspicious. And right there, I knew that it was a Clinton operative. I knew Lanny Davis was involved with the swamp. I knew Lanny Davis, you know, I, I mean, I've known for a while, many years, that Lanny, Lanny Davis has, you know, helped a lot of sketchy people. But, you know, yesterday, it just, it all made sense how uh, Cohen, Lanny Davis are in bed uh, w with the Democrats behind closed doors. I guarantee it. What do you think, Dr. Branch? Uh, 100 percent. It was all orchestrated by Lanny Davis, Hillary Clinton, no doubt about it. And, it, you know, I, I love what Pamela says because it's absolutely correct. And I do not give any credit because I do not care for Elijah Cummings. But when he came to Meadows' defense, to me, yeah. Instead you he know, was his friend. The, yeah, the Democrats that. in the the Democrats in the room were like, "What? 
We don't have him. We don't have Trump on collusion. We don't have Trump on the dossier. That was all fake. And wait a second here. You, you, you know, the, the, the chair is now taking sides with the Republicans saying, hey, listen, he's my best friend. You can't do that. He has family of color. You just can't do that. And he just that freshman congressman put her right in her place. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, just to add to that point, you know, I, I've, I've seen Cummins many, many times um, say some pretty ridiculous things. But the thing about him is he is now on the back end of this radical movement uh, that the Democrat Party, Democrat Party has taken. And even though, you know, he is, has the same D next to his name and, uh, to be honest, says a lot of radical things himself – he is not quite as much of a socialist. And Cummins, believe it or not, from what I've seen of him and what I've heard of him, and I've, I've had a chance to meet him before, he's not a – he actually likes this country. You know, he just has a different way of, um, uh, of the way to get things done, the Democrat way, obviously. But he actually wants positive things for this country. So when he came to the defense of Meadows, it didn't really surprise me because I think he's frustrated – by what the current uh, base of the Democratic Party is. And, I, I, and when you see someone who is a veteran Democrat re- you know, reacting like that, I think it's super telling for a lot of the people in the Democratic Party who are vo- voters coming up in this 2020 election. I think there are a lot of yeah. people that are either looking for a new home or new options. So, John, Josh, do you think these some of these new radical freshmen are going so far left that, like you said, the Elijah Cummings and some of those others are kind of not happy with it? Oh, well, I mean, I would say absolutely. I mean, we can even go uh, to um, the minority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer. I mean, what is the – McConnell says, hey, let's bring this Green New Deal up for a vote, and – Poor Chuck Schumer has to go and and blame Republicans and say that oh they're they're trying to they're trying to mess with this by bringing it up to a vote. Well, he has to say that because he doesn't want to. Basically, if if the Green New Deal gets brought up to a vote, it exposes a majority of the Senate who's at, off its rocker. Yep. Chuck Schumer has to yep. get up there and act like the Republicans are somehow attacking it by bringing it up because if they bring it up. He knows that it's going to be bad for not only his longevity, but for the, the Democratic Senate seat's longevity. I wish they would have felt that way with the abortion bill. You know, I mean, in regards to the abortion thing, the problem is they're so these, – these Democrats are so locked in to still – that's – it's one of the – the abortion, the pro-choice – I guess rhetoric is so locked into the way that the Democrats yeah. vote is that it's almost a given. So it doesn't matter what they actually believe on it. They know if they vote, right. even on things that are reasonable, even when they yeah. can, you can make a reasonable argument, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They have to vote that way if they want to keep being reelected. We, we do got to go to commercial and introduce our, our, our first guest. But, I, you know, just to wrap this up, you know, let's, let's face the facts. Michael Cohen is an opportunist. He, he's, he's out to use people. He's out to fill his own pockets. You know, he's, he's getting a movie and a book deal out of this. He even, you know, said he, re, 
refused to talk about it yesterday. But, uh, you know, those are just facts. I mean, he, you know, uh, he used Trump, and I think Trump is, is realizing, obviously, he, Trump knows that Michael Cohen uh, was probably a bad person to have around for, for all those years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just an unfortunate situation. But uh, Michael Cohen is going to prison, so, uh, you know, he'll be gone. But uh, when he gets out, um, he'll have money. He'll have uh, stuff to come out to, uh, unfortunately. I mean, guys like this, uh, you know, I don't wish them, you know, any luck at all. I mean, I, the guys like Michael Cohen are just the scum of the earth. It's, you know, just opportunity after opportunity. They're freeloaders. It's, it's just crazy. Um, all right, we're going to go to commercial break, and we'll be right back with our, with our guests. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. All righty, we are back. It is 840. We are live worldwide. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Our first guest um, is... Talk, talk show host. Oh, no. No, that's the next guest. Um, we have economist, political activist, attorney, best-selling author, and a professor of law at Turo Law School uh, in New York. How are you, Dan? Uh, Dan, is, is, do you pronounce it sub? How do you pronounce your last Subotnik. name, Dan? Just like it's written. Okay, Subotnik. Subotnik. Okay, very good. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. Your first Thank time you. on. Um, first and foremost, everybody that comes on my show for the first time, I kind of like to get a backstory, how it all started, you know, a bio, you know, your, your resume, that sort of thing. And uh, you've lived quite the life I, and I, you've uh, have had quite the, many successes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel lucky. Uh, I, um, I've been writing, uh, I'm a professor of law and have been for 40 years. Uh, I've had, um, I've, I've written extensively, mostly on race and gender. And uh, my outlook is to basically drill deep into race and gender discourse and find out uh, whether whether uh, the arguments that are being made are sound or whether they're vindictive right. or whether they're manip- or whether they're manipulative uh, to bring it to yeah. the attention of the general public. Right. Well, very well said. And, and, you know, please, please tell us about this book you have. It's called it's, it's regarding toxic masculinity which is a very silly and ignorant and uh, kind of trend going on in our country right now that's used by the left. But please uh, elaborate on uh, how you kind of debunk that uh, myth and, and debunk those, uh, you know, wrong facts. Well, uh, I wrote an article uh, that gets deeper into toxic masculinity. Uh, I wrote this uh, about a month ago. It came out in the Toro Law Review. And it's called. And it's called. Uh, uh, let's see. What is it called? Do 
Why, yeah, yeah. Why should we? Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Why not uh, believe women in sexual assault cases? And my uh, my goal is to raise questions about the testimony of women in in these kinds of cases. Not because uh, you know women are necessarily just. Uh, uh, deliberately lying about their experiences, but be, but because uh, many of them, and there's a lot of research on this, are really man- manipulating uh, the data and manipulating and manipulating the stories uh, that surround them. Uh, women, for example, may feel guilty about having sex, or may may feel vindictive towards uh, uh, lovers, or it, it, the, the sex may. Contradict uh, or go against the uh, religious teachings of the uh, woman. It, this doesn't happen a whole lot. I'm not saying this is the majority of cases, but I am saying there's enough of that to raise questions about women ought to be believed up front. And that's that's the yeah. main message that I'm I'm trying to purvey uh, these days. Yeah. And, and it's, it's in the face you know, of it's in the face it's in the face of me too. Yeah, and you know what you know what bothers me, and you know what really gets to me constantly is the feminism movement. And, you know, it's, it's perhaps the most ignorant ideology, I, I think, that exists in our it's, – it's definitely one of the top ones. But, you know, just the way they go around with their anti-male narrative, with their uh, agenda, you know, being uh, women first, respect us, even if we disrespect you, you know, uh, the whole superior mindset and – just the the constant uh, ignorance with facts. I mean, they think, you know, they try to act like uh, women are the most re- oppressed people in this country, which is totally wrong. Um, you have more men that are homeless. Yeah. You have more men that are unemployed. You have more men in poverty than you than you do than you do women. And they don't even and talk then about that. And men of course die younger. Exactly. Yeah, and, and they don't talk about that sort of stuff. They'd rest, no. They stick with the people they know they can put in boxes, minorities, uh, you know, because the feminists yeah. try to, you know, have the, the whole white guilt and, you know, the whole um, – they play, they play the, um, the card of, of trying, to, trying to give sympathy, uh, and, you know, to, to like – uh, the you know minorities, which you know they a lot of minorities don't want that. I mean they're, they're putting these people in boxes and they're putting these people uh, in a category, basically saying they can't think for themselves. You know because of their skin color, you know they're not as fortunate as everybody else. They don't get the same opportunities as white people. You know which is a complete garbage and a lie. So it, it's it's like for instance, look at the Oscars the other night. You know when they talk political. The feminism yeah. movement, the the race baiting, the the constant. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I of course I know what you mean, and I lay the I lay the uh, blame almost entirely on academia, of which I've been a part for many many years. Uh, yeah. We've let we've basically uh, let the 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 activists uh, control the dialogue. Uh, uh, I my colleagues are are, are afraid of uh, answering. Of responding, and as a result, the activists feel emboldened to go further and further and further, and the country suffers uh, as a result. We really need, yeah. and there's no reason why we shouldn't have, why well, we shouldn't have people like you standing up and saying, "I don't believe this," and I'll tell you why, just as you did a couple of minutes ago, and without getting angry, uh, and uh, the the. Pr-
problem, one of the problems is that people do get angry very quickly. But uh, matter of factly, make the argument and explain why you're not putting up with it anymore. And right. I think I, I think that's what we need. We 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 need yeah. 500 people to stand up and say no more. Yeah, and you know I, I classify feminism as terrorism. I mean it's no different. It's women in the streets being hostile, uh, making demands. Uh, you know, protesting like crazy, uh, getting, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot, there's some violence even sometimes. I mean, you know, if you don't agree with them and if you don't agree or, or resignate with their ideology, uh, then it's, you're the enemy. They'll, they, they come after you. Like it's, the enemy. it's mind blowing. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. I absolutely agree with your guest. I'm, you know, you have, um, I'm a professor as well. You have, uh, I have to lay blame a lot on academia as well, but also the laws surrounding it, like Title IX funding. Uh, those yeah. laws, uh, since the induction of Title IX to, to where it is now, has just, it, it, it has insanely grown. And that's the reason why, uh, you know, Betsy DeVos has been curbing that back a lot and i've been applauding betsy devos for doing that because the title IX funding now is really funding a lot of what you're saying and to me that's that's really you know it's insane i also have a question for you dr branch can i just can i just say something for a minute absolutely let's put let's put put these two ideas together i uh suggest that title nine has been um um motivated to do what it has done. The Title IX folks in Washington have done what they've done at the urging of academia. Nobody has the time and attention to push buttons in Washington the way uh, the, uh, the academy does. That's why we, we sit in our offices and we, and we decide how the world should be, and nobody else can, can compete with us. And so the Title IX people in Washington are our students, the, the students of the generation uh, before us. Those, those folks are, in effect, part of academia and if that continues for 30 or 40 years then the whole country becomes academia uh, Pam, I don't go ahead. I, go ahead, I agree with you 100 percent okay Pam go ahead no no I cut, I, um, I cut off Dr. Branch oh, um, as a woman I'm coming at it from a, a little different perspective here um one thing I'm no- the feminists have uh, gone on this campaign. They have gotten so offended when a man opens a door for him or pulls out the chair. Or I can do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, exactly. I can do that myself. But it's not about that. It's about respect. It's about showing kindness. And they have slapped the man's hand away from doing that. And what has resulted is what they see is disrespect. Uh, when the Me Too movement started, it's they've done men. this whole campaign of I can take care of myself. And then when the Me Too movement started, especially with Harvey Weinstein, well, where were the men to help us? Well, honey, you slapped him away. You told him to go home. You told him you didn't need him. And now you want him here. And the other thing that, that kind of piggybacks on what your guest said is, A lot of this started with the sexual revolution, where women were given the freedom to be sexually open. But I think what has started is 
yeah, it allows them to be free with it, but then it almost has become a position. It puts them in a position they may not want, as your your guest right. said, religiously or personally. They may not want to do it, but it's such this pressure to do it. Right. Virginity, right. virginity has actually become a scarlet letter in our culture. It, it is. And you're, you're embarrassed to say that, no, I'm waiting. So yeah. a lot of these women yeah. may feel they are forced into it, but they agree with it. So it's not technically, you know, a rape, but it's still a bad situation. Right. And let's, let's face the facts that, you know, the whole Me Too movement would have never happened if it wasn't for Trump. If Hillary would have got elected, we would have never saw a Me Too movement. And these Me Too characters are so ungrateful and rude to our president, they should be thanking him. The reason Me Too happened is because of Trump. Trump was helping expose a lot of these uh, corrupt people that were raping, raping chicks. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Uh, just to just to push back on that a little bit, I, I think the Me Too movement happens either way, and here's why. I think if Hillary Clinton's elected, that I think they double down on stuff like this because but I mean she was, that Hillary was, was condoning a lot of those a lot of rapes in, from corrupt people. You know, Hillary was in bed with so many bad people. True, but I mean, I think I think the double down. And Josh, of the one more thing: happens. don't forget where Hillary got all her donor money. Harvey Weinstein, those type of people in Hollywood. So that's the reason I say I don't think this stuff would have been exposed to the extent it did. Well, I remember I that I Hillary Clinton's husband was Bill Clinton. What? True, but I mean, I, I mean, the, the the thing that happens is though, if if Hillary gets elected, it doesn't become as much of a taboo for the feminist movement to push even farther. I mean, they would have already, they would have. I mean, they would have had their biggest uh, supporter, so to speak, of the far left agenda sitting in the Oval Office. So, I mean, there would have been no pushback realistically on it. I also think that if Trump doesn't get elected, that I think there's a, a majority of a large majority of Republicans and conservatives that would have o- almost given up on politics because they would have been so you know, help, you know, seems so helpless of the whole situation. So I think there would have been a lot less fight uh, from the other yeah. side. So, I mean, I, I, I think if Hillary gets elected, I think we see an even bigger um, push for, I mean, the craziness that's going on. I, I mean, we're talking about college campuses, you know, some of the stuff yeah. that, and, you know, specifically title nine, I mean, the, 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 even just, even with, the the pushback that the feminist movement is getting, uh, you know, no matter how big or small, it's it, you know they still are gaining ground, especially in places like California and well, but I mean like in every state on all these big college campuses. I mean, uh, you know, can you touch on why why does it still continue to seem like it still has an incredibly big foothold, even though you know we see it not working the way that you know it's supposed to. Because we're so, we're supposed to feel guilty, we white men. I'm 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 guessing that uh, there's a woman there, uh, and I'm sure the, the the other folks I'm guessing are white, and the woman is white. I'm guessing uh, we feel guilty for having abused women over the centuries, and minorities is another story, but the same same idea there, and we will not stand our ground in the face of uh, militant people. Uh, I mean that, that's un-American. It's un-American, and it is destructive. Uh, to, to the social fabric 
for people to back off every time somebody stands up and says, you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're a this, you're a that. Uh, and we've got to get over that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not going, I'm not saying uh, with respect to, to Donald Trump that Donald Trump has, uh, is, is responsible for the uh, Me Too movement. The Me Too movement would have taken place with Harvey Weinstein, uh, who, was, who acted totally independently from uh, D- Donald Trump. The Me Too movement was coming, uh, and uh, it's, it, it is related and closely related to the um, – uh, let's see what's that move? Um, the, let's see the, the the black movement. I'm sorry, it, it, it escapes me now. Um, black Lives Matter, maybe? Yeah, Black Lives. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. So you know, once uh, once one group starts uh, uh, starts moving up, starts starts pushing the boundaries, other groups uh, join them. It's 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 a it's a political a political inevitability when that happens. So we can we can assume it would have happened without Donald Trump as well. Well, I mean, to to, to add to your point real quick, you know, the LGBTQ movement, the feminist movement, and the Black Lives Matter movement, all of them they all try to take notes out of and turn their movements into a modern civil rights movement. I mean, they've all taken that's what they've all tried to do. So. We continue to see the same exact type type of strategy, but taken to a further um, advancement of each of their movements to where you know the original the original movement and even the majority of the movement says we want these specific things, and then we'll be quote unquote equal or quote unquote happy. But then when they get those things, they continue to push. Yeah. And what about women in the draft? Is, is is that where we're heading? Is that what women want? All, all we hear it from is uh, from the militant women. Uh, I am guessing that seventy-five percent of women don't want a draft. Eighty-five percent of women don't want a draft. Yeah, and but women, we're, we're you know, in that direction. Yeah, and you know what? You know what's an issue is that you know a woman gets so offended in today's society. Uh, if you know, especially well, the feminists do. You know about. Uh, being in the kitchen how is that offensive like feminists get so offended by the the dumbest and pettiest things you know uh like they it's like they they act like they want to do what what the man's job is but at the same time the man has a lot harder of a job in most in most situations i'm not saying all but i'm going to say in more more than less you know but I feel like these some of these feminists would wouldn't even be able to you know carry any of these guys' jockstraps on what they have to do every day to provide. You know what I mean? So it's at the end of the day, if this makes sense, it's just them talking and being bossy and being condescending and being ignorant because they can. Do you agree with that? Uh, to a large extent, but not entirely. There are no there's, there's no question. There are a lot of very talented women who've been uh, held uh, out over the, over, over the years. Saying, oh, of course there is. And no, 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 no. I, I know you're not saying there's not. And I'm saying that what happens is, as I see it, is these women kind of lead the charge, uh, telling other women that they too could have advanced uh, to the top of their fields uh, and can still do so uh, if they put uh, their uh, shoulders to the grindstone. And, uh, and people get revved up. When I when I look at the rape situation, for example, I ask myself, why is it that a woman who uh, feels sexually assaulted doesn't isn't sure, 
uh, about it and doesn't want to go through the hassles. Why does she sit on, on, on her case for six months, a year, and two years, and three years? And I think the answer is pretty clear. There's a body of women who say that that is un-American, it's unfemale, uh, that women lose respect when they don't stand up. And so a year later, two years later, three years later, a woman comes up and says, I was raped. Her friends persuade her that I was raped. In the name of the feminist movement, yeah. I was raped. Yeah. yeah. And we see, you know, we see how many people lied. I mean, there's been many proven liars that in the feminist movement uh, that have made up, made up situations just so they could fit in. I, I look at it as kind of like a trend. They wanted to be like the other girls. So they're like, oh, I, I should do this. I should do this as well. You know, why not report a fake rape? I mean, there were, I'd say, a handful of people like that, and that was even discovered that some of them made it up because it was a trend. Um, I do, we do have about a minute left uh, with right. you, Dan. I do want to yeah, get that, some final thoughts. I'm, go ahead. All right, I want to, I want to, I, I do want to finish with something. Yeah, go it's ahead. not a question of, it's not a question of lying entirely. Sure, there's, there is lying. The best estimates are, are that between 6 and 8% of claims are false, known to be false. But there's a bigger problem, and that's a, that's a, that's a problem that, that I identify with self-delusion on the part of the women. The woman, who go, the woman who gets drunk and goes into a guy's room, and they start messing around. Yeah. She doesn't say no. She doesn't walk out. Uh, and then all of these things kick in. The guilt kicks in for one of the reasons that I've just mentioned, and the assault is then launched. And... Uh, there is a woman by the name of Joan Howarth who wrote an article, a, a very important article on the subject, H O W A R T H. And let me let me just read a, 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 a fragment of what she wrote. What she wrote: Many highly okay. uh, accomplished women students suffer from sexual identities that are that, uh, that are painfully constrained and fearful. And she talks about this, and then she, then she talks about recognition of the fact that women, some of the women, and a good number of the women are not ready for sexual activity. She says, unpleasant and unwelcome as this reality may be, we should recognize it because as a matter of social justice, we believe you does not uh, translate fairly into individual adjudication. So there you have it. You have a yeah. woman who's on the front line, was on the front line yeah. for years, witnessing yeah. these cases, adjudicating these cases, and she's a, a strong feminist, and her conclusion is, these cases are not being adjudicated fairly to men. Right. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, the, the entitlement, I tell you, it's really, it's, it's beyond disgraceful with the feminist movement. Um, I want to get, um, we, we got we to gotta, uh, let you go, Dan, in about 30 seconds, but oh. any final thoughts, okay. everybody? Uh, just one final thought. I think a lot of women are confused because you have colleges telling these girls that an unwanted kiss is rape. They're confused. That, that too, healthy. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh or, or Dr. Branch, go ahead. I had a question. Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. Dr. Branch, go ahead. I've talked a lot on this. <laughs> well, it, you know, before Dan, uh, uh, Professor Dan left, I just wanted to ask him because he is I'm still here. Uh, I'm still here. a lawyer. Oh, he's going to still yeah. be here. Okay, great. Because I'm still here. My question, my question had is, is a little bit off of the subject, but you're you're, you're the the law professor. Uh, you know, you have Cohn. He stood up and he said that he wasn't. You know, he couldn't deny that he was going to do a book deal. He couldn't deny that yeah. he was going to do a movie deal. How is that allowed? I know that we have many iterations now of the Son of Sam law. How is yeah. that allowed to make profit? On what he I guess the, not. 
I, I, the answer uh, is, is surely that he has not made a uh, a, a profit yeah. on uh, on a killing or a robbery of somebody else. Uh, this is this the action that he took is too remote uh, from the consequence that you're that you're looking at, and as a result, that rule does not apply. It's a it's a narrow base rule. We got we're we're on a we're on a clock. I, I hate, I'm sorry, but we're on a clock. Okay. Josh, go ahead real quick. Got to go to break. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just wanted to thank you for all your opinions and what you're doing. And, you know, people like you, uh, specifically people that are teaching, uh, I mean, uh, specifically in law school, it's incredibly important. Uh, the solution, the solution is not in my truth. hands. The solution, the solution is in your hands. Uh, I've been yeah, well, I mean, battle along with other people. You guys out, out, out in the streets uh, yep. have got to stand up. Thank you, Dan. Dan, tell everybody where they can find you. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Well, the, 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 the book is called Toxic Diversity, and you can get it on Amazon. And the article in question is, is called uh, why, why, why Not Believe Women in Sexual Assault Cases. Right. right. Yeah, and it's on, the okay, Turo, it's on the Turo Law Review. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you, Dan. Have a good night. All right. We're going to go to break, and we will be right back with our next guest. We do have other people on the line as well that I will be introducing right when we get back. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production, everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. All righty, we are back. I do want to welcome to the show um, our next guest, popular talk show host, entrepreneur, political activist, and freedom fighter, Will Johnson. How are you, my friend? Thanks for having me. Hey, man, how's it going, buddy? You there? Sorry, uh, can you hear me now? Will. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me can now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, it's good to be here. I got the issue with my headphones. Um, glad. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely, it's great to have you here. Um, I believe we also have on the line uh, Mike Peters. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Glad to be here. Oh, hey, Mike. How are you? Good to have you here, Mike. Uh, doing so, fine. Um, yep. Everybody, I want to get into 
you know, and I'm glad you guys called it a perfect time because I was just getting ready to get into this. North Korea. Um, obviously, you know, we know that there was no deal uh, officially made, um, you know, at least on paper. But uh, the fact that Trump and Kim Jong-un had such good talks and, you know, such good time together uh, and, and great chemistry, and they've already met twice, you know, th- that's a good sign. You know, this is something that doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. You know, they're getting comfortable with each other. You know, they, they look like they're having fun. I mean, I've never seen Kim Jong-un smile and laugh so much. I mean, this guy was very happy, and, uh, you know, he even made a statement at one point saying he wouldn't be there with Trump if he wasn't considering denuclearizing. So, obviously, he's serious. I mean, that, that's a given. Um, Trump and him, you know, had a, there was a deal. Uh, Trump just didn't like it, and Trump thought they were asking for more than what, you know, Trump was comfortable giving them at this point. You know, not to say that, uh, you know, uh, something may be different in the future, but for now, uh, as Trump said, and as he says in his Art of the Deal book, sometimes you have to walk away. You don't just take a, and he's right, you don't just take a deal to take a deal. It has to be, you know, uh, it, has, it has to have merit. It has to be valuable, and it has to be reciprocal. It has to work for us as well. And, you know, it can't be uh, given an unfair advantage to one side. That's for sure. So, you know, I think what's important here is that, you know, obviously we see the liberal media, you know, saying, oh, Trump failed, Trump failed. But that's not what's important. What is important is that Trump didn't fail. Trump actually did an amazing job. He went over there. He's working, he's working the relationship into, into a better place, and it is. I mean, so in the future, on their third summit, everybody be expected to have them uh, – to see a deal from them. There's no doubt about it because uh, I don't think Kim Jong-un would, would – I think Kim Jong-un next time is going to know, uh, you know, Trump is only going to make – uh, you know, a certain deal, and I have to meet him fairly. I have to do things fairly. Because let's face it, Kim Jong-un for the longest time is used to getting his own way. He's used to doing whatever he wants, and, you know, he's probably not the most generous person on earth. He's pretty damn selfish, you know, from his, pa- from his past. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's going to have to come to his senses, Kim Jong-un. But, you know, and I think he wants to. I don't think he wants to be left out from, from the rest of the world. I think he wants the real estate opportunity. I think he wants to turn North Korea into a, a resort and vacation hotspot. And uh, Trump is willing to help him with that. And Kim Jong-un knows. I mean, it's, some, we should be happy and proud that Kim Jong-un was even ready to sign a deal in the first place. And the fact that he is so smiling and happy sitting with Trump, that's huge. What other past presidents uh, have met with North Korea, uh, you know, longer than longer than just one second. None. I mean, the past, I mean, there's been, well, I don't even know. Has there been past presidents? I don't think there has been that have met with North Korea. I know Bill Clinton did a deal with them, but I don't think he actually sat, sat down with Kim Jong-il back in the day, uh, the dad of Kim Jong-un before he died. But, uh, I mean, yeah, this, this, I think I'm right, actually. I don't think any president has ever spent this much time uh, with, North, with a North Korean leader. I think this is unbelievable. I mean, this is, you know, the way he, Trump you know, uh, makes, makes peace. And, you know, the way he has with people, there's a reason they call him the best negotiator or at least one of the best to ever live. Uh, but it's, it's, it's awesome. It really is. I, 
I do want to play a few clips, and I want to get everybody's thoughts. But, uh, you know, I mean, they were all smiles. Um, great press conference. Play this right here, uh, one four. Wait, hold on. In really a country, Vietnam, where they really rolled out the red carpet, and they they very much us. And uh, it's great to be with you. We had a very successful first summit. I felt it was very successful. And some people would like to see it go quicker. Satisfied, be satisfied. We want to be happy with what we're doing. But I thought the first summit was a great success, and I think this one hopefully will be equal or greater than the first. And we made a lot of progress, and I think the biggest progress was our relationship. It is really a good one. Distorted. I couldn't. I couldn't hear it. It was very distorted. It was. Yeah. I, I, the, yeah. the the clip uh, went down for. Hold on a second. Hold on. But no. But <laughs> you know, it, it's it's one of those things though. I wa- Josh. I want to get your thoughts. Go ahead. So uh, you know, for me, I'm not as. I guess as of right now, I see this whole situation as. Um, a, uh, not as uh, not as optimistically as others see it. So, my 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 deal is that even though Trump has gotten the opportunity through you know um, his negotiations to be able to actually be able to meet uh, with King John King John Un, the problem is there hasn't been any real results with nuclear disarmament. Now, obviously, I think Trump is making strides to potentially get there, but as of right now, we don't have it. Um, and you know, the, the problem is I also don't see, unless Kim Jong-un's an idiot, I don't see him ever putting down his nukes at all. I don't think there's anything that Trump or the, the U S can offer him that'll make him take any sort of deal for nuclear disarmament. And here's why, if he, if he, if he nuclear, you know, if he disarms his nukes, and lets his people free even a little bit, he's dead. I mean, he is not going to live. His people will kill him. I don't, it doesn't matter if he, if he set every single one of his people free, they will kill him. And I mean, and this goes on for, for this, the idea that when, you know, that the people would be all of a sudden happy with him, yeah, they'd be happy 
for about three seconds until they re-remembered that, oh, this is the same guy, even though it's this, he's letting us free, that he's also the one that killed all of our family and friends because he's a tyrannical dictator. I mean, this is the same guy that, that literally tied his, what was it? Um, I think it was his uncle to a, an anti-aircraft gun and split him in half with it. I mean, because he was threatened by uh, him being taken over or, or poisoning his brother-in-law with anthrax in an airport because he, was, he thought he was threatened uh, of a potential coup with that guy. I mean, we can look back in history as far back as we want, even back to um, the slave state in Haiti when the, the French uh, controlled Haiti. It was a slave plantation, and when the French Revolution happened – the French set all the slaves free. Well, you know what the slaves did? They went on a genocide of the whole entire island and killed not only uh, the slave owners, but every single white person on the whole entire island. When you do bad things to people, even if you say, oh, I'm sorry, and set them free, sometimes you cannot repay um, the, the, the bad that you've done by covering it up with some good in the, you know, in the recent. So I don't I don't know if we're going to ever see any sort of nuclear disarmament with King Jong-un. I think he would have to be insane to take any sort of deal because I think his life would definitely be on the line. Uh, Will, go ahead. Nah, you know what? I was doing my uh, broadcast earlier, and this lady called in, and she made a very good point. You know, when they were smiling together and they're all on the camera and Kim Jong-il, he's smiling, Trump is smiling. And then at the end of this, he left. She suggested that someone from North Korea put a bug in Kim Jong-un's ear that Trump is a con man because they got the information from the hearing going on with Michael Cohen. And because they were doing that, they were saying, well, maybe he's going to get impeached. Maybe they're going to remove him. Maybe they're going to have something on Trump. So then that way they can keep their nuclear arms because the Democrats want to make sure they keep it. The Democrats want to make sure that the, the earth is in turmoil where we can have all these wars. You know, they're probably willing to give them $1.8 billion like they did Iran, you know, <laughs> and, say, and then turn around and say, well, it was their money in the beginning, even though they're, you know, they're doing all these horrible things. And the gentleman that just mentioned that, how he uh, killed his brother in the airport and how he killed um, his uncle or his uncle in the airport or whatever. But anyways, it's absolutely true that he is, he, he's probably never want, going to give up those nuclear arms as long as, because he doesn't want to lose his power and he's probably fear for his life. Right. If everything looks peachy and he wants to turn over a new lease, they are going to go after him. I completely agree with that. You know, you know what I, I I do want to say the fact that I do strongly believe that Kim Jong Un wants the economic power in terms of getting these deals from Trump. I mean, I believe with a strong uh, you know conscience that Kim Jong Un is definitely uh, wanting to be like other parts of you know other parts of the world. Some of these countries that are he wants to be like America. you know just doing amazing. He wants to do Sandy a good economy. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, don't you agree, though, Will, that Trump, uh, you know, with Trump's negotiation skills, don't you agree if, if one person can do it, it's Trump? And don't you think that Kim Jong-un finds it, um, that he, just what Trump has pitched to him, uh, appealing? 
Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. That's the only reason why he agreed to leave with President Trump in the first place, because he's like, okay, we can get something out of this. I mean, the man wants to, he wants the country to become rich. He wants to make it look like that, you know, North Korea is a is a place that people want to come. Right. I mean, who right. wouldn't want that? Well, look how far he's come with us, with our country. He's given us back uh, most of our remains uh, from the war. Uh, he's let our prisoners go, our hostages. Um, you know, that wouldn't have happened under Obama. It didn't. I mean, Obama was – No, you're pussy. absolutely right. And His, did you Obama's see, did you wife has where, a bigger um, dick than he does. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> did you see – well, you may not have seen it. You may not have seen it, but I was watching the uh, uh, Criminal News Network today, and they have the audacity <laughs> to go on there and say that – was it Otto um, Warmberg, Warmbier? That because Auto uh, beer, President yes. Trump yeah. – Auto Warmbier, because of what President Trump did today was dishonoring the memory of him. Now, and, see, and see, so, I want to – Will, I want you to speak on that, but I want to say real quick about that. I, I knew the media was going to flip once Trump you know, kind of said, well, you know, I don't think Kim was responsible for that. I knew that was going to be headline news, and part of me wishes Trump wouldn't have said that. But at the same time, I, th- I don't think Trump meant any ill will, about, Ill will by it. Matter of fact, I know he didn't mean any ill will by it. But go ahead. No, he didn't. I think it's, but, but there's, uh, yeah, but they took that and they twisted it, and they're trying to say that what happened to him is Trump's fault. They're, they're going as far as saying that as well. They're, they're, not, they're not honoring his memory. He doesn't care about Americans abroad. And all of this stuff that's happening is because of Trump. And they, but these, the, the Communist News Network don't want to mention that he was killed under Obama's watch. It wasn't President Trump. The only reason why they, they sent him home, because President Trump told him to. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, let, Dr. Branch, what are your thoughts on all this? I love your perspective. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, I, 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 I like what, you know, Everybody has to say about it. You know, Josh has a has a good point only because of the history of the prior administrations. If you look, when Gaddafi gave up his nuclear weapons, and you look under the uh, Obama administration, what happened to Gaddafi? Or if you look in Crimea, you know, when the nuclear weapons were given up, we guaranteed their protection. We guaranteed their protection. And you've seen Russia move in. Obama did nothing. So he's sitting there. Now, I agree with you, uh, Rory, that if anybody can do it, it's President Trump. And all I have to say is, wow, wow. On Tuesday night, I said that I thought something historic was going to happen in that meeting. And something historic has happened in the meeting. Because if you would have had any other president over there, with the exception of Ronald Reagan, you would have had some half-butt deal made that was against the United States. Right. You had a president, a president in, in, the, in the vein of Ronald Reagan, who was brave enough to walk away and say, this was not a good deal. It, there was a deal. Exactly. He, there was a deal. But he was brave enough to walk away, take the heat, and even Nancy Pelosi has applauded for that. And I'll tell you I, what, I, that was so presidential. I am so happy with President Trump. What he did yep. was American and American first, yep. and he kept Mike, his he, promise. He, 
Absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I, Mike I, Peters, go ahead. I, I agree, but I'll tell you what. I, I think that all of this is theater. It's all just Hollywood, and this is how it has to play out. And the, uh, the average American and everything in the media and everything shouldn't even know the details of it. And they're too, many of them are too stupid to realize that I have no doubt that the deal has already been cut between the two of them. But you've got to remember the one thing that drives this maniac, this dictator, little Kim. <laughs> Ego. Ego. This guy is driven. And you know what? It, did you see him? He was a rock star. Look at the way he, he was in his. He was, he was a rock star. He was sucking it up. All the attention. Oh, my God. Look at this. Do you think he wants to lose that and go back to his rock where his only buddies are the, the Chinese? He wants to be on the world stage. Here's his chance, dude. He's on the world stage. Now, how does he do it and still keep his, his, that attitude, that fear, the respect that he commands? And, well, because here's part of the deal is walk away from the table this time. Show the people, no, I'm in charge here now. I'm making this, and it didn't work out with the Americans. But do you notice, because I was looking at some of the other comments, they did not shut down the talks. Billy Kim said he's willing to meet again, which means a deal has been cut. But this is all just theater to keep his locals and keep his own control over there and keep the support that he has in his own country to show, no, I'm in charge. This deal didn't work out. I'll go back and see if they want to do something later on. He wants the money. He wants the power. He wants his ego fed with the recognition. So it's all I just would a agree game. with that. Right. And Trump, go Trump is working with the game. Yep. <laughs> well said, Mike. Well said. Pam, are you there? Yeah. Um, go ahead. I would. I. I would say that, quite frankly, no matter whether he gets a deal or not, as some guys have already said, he's really gone farther with North Korea than any other president has gone. Yep. And it is going to come down as to what. Kim Jong-un, is, is he willing to give up some of that power in exchange for other power, economic and such? It's just going to come down to that. Um, but, and as Mike said, um, Trump's stroking his ego. Kim is really liking it. So it just depends on on how much he does like it and when Trump comes home, you know, what what's Kim going to think about and hopefully in a couple months we'll get back together and something will be able to come up. I do find it interesting though. I did see a statistic earlier that the mainstream media spent something like 420 minutes on Cohen yesterday and about 12 or 14 with Trump with this historic <laughs> event. And that yep. right. really just it really just kind of shows you where we are as far as our media. Um, this is news, and they're supposed to be our news outlets. And the fact they don't find this newsworthy, I think they're scared. I think they know that Trump is accomplishing things, and they can't bring themselves to mention it. And with that, no. Rory, I think I'm in on that, buddy. Yeah, Will, okay. go Can ahead and respond to Pam before, before Pam goes. Will, respond. Go ahead. Okay, let, let me just say it real quick. I, I, I mean, I completely agree with Pam. And the reason why the, the media is not showing anything about Trump, can you imagine if Trump was successful with making a good deal or anything <laughs> yep. positive? How they, That's how why that they distracted the whole America. thing and put it on the Cohen testimony <laughs> yesterday. Remember? I mean, they didn't yes, want exactly, any exactly. going to North Korea. Hey, I wouldn't doubt if Trump has something planned with him that they put it together next year, months before the election. I mean, I would not put it past Trump to do it, and I would laugh hysterically if they do. Yep. 
Like I said, I bet well, something's already been cut. They already got the thing figured out. I bet you. You're right. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go you're ahead. On. No, you're I just wanted to agree with Pam because Pam was uh, spot on. I mean, they don't want they don't want Trump. They can't they can't have Trump looking positive. They can't have it where he's looking good or he's doing anything nope. good because it's nope. going to beat their narrative. It's going to hurt what they're yep. trying to do by destroying him. Oh, you're you're absolutely right. And you know, there there's so many things that you know they've done to try to distract and 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 you know uh, deflect away from all of Trump's accomplishments and. You know, the media, the left-wing media has been darn good at it, the way they fabricate, the way they spin things. And, you know, it's just, it gets old. It's really sickening. Um, Josh, I know you want to respond. Go ahead. Well, you know, the, the one thing I do think that Trump has good, uh, done very well in the North Korea situation is uh, I think that if, you know, who even knows if the North Korean people are even really aware of what's going mm-hmm. on necessarily with Trump. But if they are, I think it would give them a sort of sense of uh, a potential of a rebellion. Now, the problem that we have is the North Korean people are so suppressed that they don't even – they have no idea what the world stage thinks of, of Kim Jong-un or um, you know, even what type of resources would be behind them if a sort of coup were to take place uh, or any sort of rebellion. The thing with Trump going in there, though, is I think it creates more of an opportunity because no one has ever talked to Kim uh, or his father realistically. You know, I think it creates an opportunity where uh, we would be able to get rid of the uh, Kim, you know, Kim Jong-un. And I mean, in my eyes, this armament is not the goal to me. The the goal to me is to free the North Korean people. Um, Obviously, both of those things will come hand in hand, but uh, you know, for me, I don't think I don't think you get disarmament unless you get a full freeing uh, of of the North Korean people, and honestly, a, a the ending of the uh, Kim regime. Yeah, yeah, well said. I, I uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, you know, I, I I love what everyone has said, and, and to Josh's point, and also to Pam's point, that you have under the Obama administration, on average, 27 days a rocket was fired off by Kim Jong Un. Now yeah. it's been over 457 days since one went yeah. off. After Trump came out and he said, "My button's bigger than yours, and it works." Okay. Right. But I, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't let this go without saying. If it was any other president, you would have had 24/7 news coverage. You would have had yep. newscasters yep. with tears in their eyes yep. on what a historic moment this was, and you would have had a lousy deal, but they would allowed it as a brilliant deal, no matter what. Our, and Pam brought Obama, out only 12 minutes. This is outrageous. Yeah. If it was Obama, they'd all get on their knees. I mean, that's, that's how much they coddled Obama and babied him. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the way the bias and the, the hate towards our president uh, is to a whole nether extreme level. We've never seen this Rory, sort of hatred. For, you know? Real quick, just to, just to add to that point real quick that 
Dr. Branch just made, you know, I, I think the one good thing also that Trump has done is he's creating an opportunity for real Americans to have real pride in things that are going on that, that he's doing and that the world is, is doing. For instance, I think real Americans, when they saw Kim and, and Trump meeting, I mean, I thought it was, you know, I think everybody's minds immediately go to the potential of those people being free. Um, and I think that's, a, a, you know, a, not only a historic thing, but a beautiful thing. I mean, I even remember before him and Trump even, even met, be, you know, because of Trump, there was the opportunity for the, uh, the president of China and Kim to meet. And I remember tears swelling up in my eyes, just how incredible that was, as well as uh, the president of South Korea, North, you know, and Kim meeting. Just the idea that that things like this can happen is still incredible, and I think every American that is a true American will see that and rejoice, especially in the things that Trump is doing over there. That's a great yeah. point, Josh. I mean, great, great point. You know, I and and I agree with you know the the thing is is we have to look at the at, and the brilliance of social media, the brilliance of these blog talks, the brilliance of you know, the younger generation, not just getting their, their news from, you know, the, the media sources, but getting their, their news online and streaming is the fact that the truth can finally come out. And, and to, to add to your, 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 your to, give, to give a lot of, you know, credence to what you said, that's exactly what Donald Trump said last night. When they said, well, is the United States going to walk away, blah, blah, blah? He said, no, there's far too many great people living in North Korea. We owe it to them, mm-hmm. and we owe it to us, and we owe it to the, 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 the entire world. This is a president. We haven't had a president. This is a nice. president, and we are looking at it. This is by definition what it is. My hat's off yes. to the guy. I'll tell you what, it, uh, you know. I'm, 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 I'm emotional right now just talking about it. Hallelujah. Can, <laughs> can I chime in one time before I go? This yeah. is, uh, so I, I completely agree. I, tonight on my broadcast, I said Donald Trump, this president, is the ideal president for the United States of America or just for the world period. He is the ideal president. He is how the president is supposed to be. Him getting up, walking away from this deal – because it wasn't a good deal is a good thing. Even on the Communist News Network, they were some of them on there were saying that it was good that he walked away, and then some of them were getting upset because they were saying it on CNN. On top of that, do you remember when Trump went to uh, he went over to Europe? I think it was the G summit yeah. when they were trying to yeah. all make him walk in the back, and he pushed his way up to right. the front. Do you remember that? Right. The same thing. Yeah, then. he stood up. He stood up for America because. He is putting America first. He said, look, I'm the president of the United States. You're not going to do this to me. I'm not Obama. Had they been in that G summit, had they been black and he had did that, they would have been calling him racist. But the majority of them were right. white, so they couldn't do that. Exactly. Very very well said, Will. Will, keep that thought. I do want to welcome uh, – we have an ISIS escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best-selling author, I.Q. Al-Razuli. Are you on the line, my friend? I am. Thank you. Help. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. So what? Let, let me get your thoughts, IQ. What What do you think about this whole North Korea situation? You You've probably been listening. I um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just I just noticed that you were you were on, and I wanted to get to you, and I want to have a lot of things to talk to you about. But what are your What are your thoughts on this first? Uh, 
the whole North Korea thing. There is no question about it that Donald Trump is a unique person. And I'm the outsider looking in, obviously. Walking away from a deal needs uh, a man with a backbone of steel. Because all the hula value and all the choreography, had he done anything, by the way, the news media would have gone against him anyway. Walking away, not walking away, they would have gone against him anyway. But I like to think something outside the box. Well, Obama was, in, was a president seven, eight years ago. I made, on several occasions, one single comment. There is no way on earth that China would have allowed North Korea to go nuclear had Japan and South Korea decided, if North Korea is going nuclear, we go nuclear. This would never have happened. All they would have had to say is, if we will go nuclear, I would like to have the opinion of the people listening. What do you think would have happened? Yeah. Will, go ahead. That's good. I didn't, I didn't have anything else. Okay. Uh, what, what do you think, Josh? What do you think would happen, Josh? Well, boy. So, IQ, just to re- reiterate your question, are you saying that if Japan and South Korea would have stood up to North Korea and China is what you're saying? Yes. All they had to do, literally, all they had to do is say, we will go nuclear because we are not going to be threatened by anybody else and we're not going to stand and think that the United States of America to go nuclear and have a disaster on her land just to protect us. The threat alone, and by the way, they have the capacity to do it faster than North Korea. They have the economy and they have the technology. The you threat know, alone first off, would have changed everything. I, I think you're right, first off. And second off, I think one of the reasons why Japan and, North, uh, and South Korea did not do uh, you know, what you're recommending they should have done, I think the reason that that didn't happen was, especially when North Korea was just starting to get their, uh, you know, their nuclear uh, weapons and really flaunt it, uh, was under the Obama administration. And I don't think Japan and South Korea had the confidence in America at that point. I don't think that they, that they – I don't think they believed – that Obama would stand up for them. And, I mean, Obama had so little backbone on so many things. He even went, you know, speaking about, uh, you know, Obama's Asian relations, he went to Japan and apologized for dropping the atomic, the atomic bombs, uh, which is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my whole entire life. If you know anything about World War II history and what the Japanese did specifically to the Chinese during that war – I mean, they there were there the, in in a 24 what was it? I think in a in a one week period, they were the Japanese army was responsible for the second biggest mass raping that has ever occurred. They were responsible for some of the most dramatic, um, uh, you know, chemical warfare used against the Chinese people. The fact that he would go and apologize to the Japanese uh, people that we dropped those atomic bombs is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that even gave a clue to Japan and to South Korea that, that Obama had no backbone, and I don't think they felt confident enough to stand up if they didn't think that America was going to stand with them. Yeah, but that's exactly – sorry, with all due respect, that's exactly why they should have gone up. 
it has nothing to do with Obama. Obama could say whatever he wants, and the 58,000 American troops are there, not only to protect South Korea, but to protect American right. interests, obviously. The threat right. is national. It's nothing to do with Obama. It's nothing to do with China. All they had to do is, you go nuclear, we go nuclear. China would never have allowed it. This is right. my thought. And I honestly believe we do, they would not have had to do any negotiations and any give and take. The ability for Japan to go nuclear even today and South Korea to go nuclear even today is immense and can be done quickly. Hey, Dr. Branch, I want you to respond, and then uh, I want to go to commercial, and I want everybody to stay on the line because we've got more stuff to get into. But, Dr. Branch, respond. Go ahead. First of all, I love how you're thinking outside the box. That's amazing to me because I love thinking outside the box. And if it was ever going to happen, it would have happened under that administration. And the reason is, is you, because obviously, you know, with Japan, it's unconstitutional. They can't do it. We provide their defense. You know, we have the bombs, we have the ICBMs, we have them in Turkey, we have them over in Israel, and we protect that. But we've shown, Obama has shown that he won't, you know, and I just threw out Crimea. We guaranteed that we would, guaranteed that we would defend once they uh, denuclearized, and we did not do that. So if they were ever going to do it, it would have been at that time. I love how you're thinking outside the box. It would have made people like me freak out <laughs> if that would have happened. Because, you know, you, you know the relationship between China and Japan you know, they don't have a warm relationship. Then you yeah. got to throw in Thailand into that whole scenario. And when you do that, then, and, 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 and you know, you, you, you destabilize everything. And to me, would that have brought them to the negotiating tables where they would have said, okay, you're not allowed to, to, uh, uh, to uh, nuclearize uh, North Korea? And maybe they would have. And, but the thing is, if you're going to think that way, then you have to think, well, then you would have to have a stronger president because uh, to, yeah. to negotiate it. Because if not, if they would have threatened to do that, you were you would have liable to have a nuclear war uh, just because of the relationships with Thailand, China, and Japan. I mean, no one's friendly over there, uh, and we're providing a lot of the protection uh, through you know our our agreements with Japan. So. Well, that's 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 thinking outside the box, and I applaud you for doing it. Thank you, Mike. P Mike Peters, go ahead. My feelings about the whole thing are a little bit more. I mean, you know, as a World War II historian, you know how I am. And uh, number one, I think that uh, I think everybody everything was overblown with uh, Little Kim's with the paranoia that was out there about Little Kim and his atomic, uh, his, his nuclear weapons and everything. He didn't have the guidance systems. He didn't have a way for those missiles for reentry. They wouldn't work. He didn't have the shielding. Yeah, you could send up an empty missile with no payload on it. Yeah, it's going to go, oh, my God, look how many thousands of miles. It... But put a payload on that and put a guidance system on that you mean to tell me it wasn't like a big overgrown Scud missile is what basically they had. The same thing Saddam had. We could point it like a V2 in a general direction and hope it's going to hit something. Their guidance system and everything, they did not have the technology. The Chinese and the Russians did not give them the technology. So basically, they were a joke. So yeah, we've got a missile. Great. And in the meantime, we'll flatten your country. 
And he knows that. Now, would he have said against uh, Japan or anything with the missile? No. Because his main goal, the North Koreans' main goal is they want to take South Korea back. That's what they want. They would never do anything that would jeopardize that. And he knows that if he let any of those missiles loose in Japan or Guam or anything, his days would be done. His day would be finished. He would never right. see reunification with South Korea. It would never happen. But the media and everybody kept everybody going, oh, they're going to hit Guam. Oh, they're going to hit Hawaii. Hawaii? Are you kidding me? And where's he going to land it? Where's he going to drop it? In the pink hotel in Waikiki? He's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but, they're, but they're dreaming. And, you know, and the media doesn't fill people in with all this stuff. So tactically, everything, it's, it would never have happened. It was just hearsay. Now, I agree with IQ saying about what would happen if with the Japanese and the Chinese, I think it would have come down to it, even if Obama was out of the picture, the Chinese would have said, look, this is escalating now in a different direction. And we've got no, no, nobody from America conducting. I mean, the White House is empty, basically, with Obama in there. So we better do something about this and tone it down, because it could go in a completely different direction that we don't want it to go between South Korea and Japan getting involved and getting into the nuclear game. So, and right. Obama was useless. So, yeah, I'm glad that now, now coming down to little Kim, his game was always throw up a missile, give me money. Well, throw up a couple more missiles, put his hand, I'll give me money, I want give me $2 billion. I want some money from America, and I'll behave myself. Well, along comes Trump, and he's like, no, you don't. No, that game's over. I'm not doing the blackmail. Or the, no, I don't care. So now he's not getting any money from Trump, and he tried his best. He threw up a ton of it. The money's not coming anymore. Now, what choice do you have? Now it comes down to it. Are you going to hit South Korea? You're done. You're dead after that. Uh, okay, that's off the table. So what's the other option? Negotiating to get the money and the ego and the recognition that he wants in the world. Wow. That's what I think. I mean, that's, that, that's a, I mean that's, you know, that, that's interesting. IQ, what are your thoughts? I agree in general terms, but I honestly still believe when somebody is telling me that Japan has got a constitution, Constitutions are made by man. The same humans can re reverse the constitution. When somebody is threatening a nation, Japan, from Korea, to be attacked nuclear uh, weapons, there is no chance in hell that a prime minister would stand up and say, we'll go nuclear and the people will go against him. I don't believe that, honestly. I don't believe that. I always think of Israel. Why Israel? Because Israel is not depending on anybody to protect her. They had, yeah. they had a decision made from the beginning, right. from 1948. If yeah. we don't stand up, we are done. We're finished. We yeah. have to do it all yeah. ourselves. And in right. 70 years, mark my words, in 70 years, not a single American soldier died on behalf of Israel, while tens right. of thousands of Americans were dead or wounded in either defense of Muslims and Arabs or in attacking Muslims and Arabs. That's it. Right. Very, very well said. I, I uh, do want to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we're going to come right back. Um, all right. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. 
Thank you. All right, everybody, we're back. Um, you know what I do want to get into, and I think this is uh, interesting, and I want to, you know, I want to ask um, IQ about this. Uh, it was reported today, IQ, that uh, Maduro removed eight tons of gold from the Venezuelan Central Bank. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, you know a lot about dictators. You know a lot about these corrupt uh, countries. Uh, how do you view this? I mean, what, what, is your, what, do you, what do you see happening? It's possible that he's running away. This is the only conclusion I can Do you think he's pocketing I mean, all that? Yes. <laughs> no. uh, Saddam Hussein didn't have to pocket anything because he owned Iraq. That's my country. Gaddafi didn't have to r- run away with any money. He owned the whole of Libya. But Maduro d- does not have the support of the people. He has, as far as I understand, the only thing that's keeping him alive is the military. Otherwise, he would have been finished. And if he's stealing the money, the whole world should be made aware of it. I mean, the whole world should be made aware of it. And if there is a proof, that should be shown to show that this man is so corrupt that he should not be allowed to stay by any country. What do you think? Do you... Do you see now? Now this is very important, IQ, and I think a lot of people want want this answer. And you're very familiar in this realm with you know a lot of uh, the terrorist uh, scenarios and topics and uh, the different uh, war topics. But do you see the USA uh, going into Venezuela and taking over? Like uh, if you know what taking like making sure Maduro uh, doesn't do any anything fun, no funny business. Well, the United States shouldn't interfere militarily because nobody will support you. Nobody. I mean, literally nobody will support you. And there's so no reason. You're, you're, if you, 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 think they, instigate, you think everybody sorry, should sorry. just watch Venezuela fall apart? You think they should just deal well, with their own country? Wait a minute. <laughs> but we are watching, for example, North Korea fall apart. Who is going to interfere? There were genocides in Africa, and there's genocide going in Africa, in South Africa, in the Congo. Who's interfering? You can't interfere every single time. It's not even business. You can support them, 100% support them, morally, economically, and even in training them to overthrow the government. But why should American soldiers go and die? What for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear you. Um, Josh, what do you think about the whole Venezuela thing? You know, first off, I absolutely agree with what IQ just said about military involvement. I don't think that uh america well be i was i was asking i mean there. i don't i don't think so either i don't like to be the world police i agree with iq i was just asking iq what he thought because he's the expert he knows all this stuff. No, no, no i understand it's, it's uh, his realm no i understand you know and I, I but and obviously i agree with iq again that you know that this is a terrible tragedy that's happened in venezuela with uh venezuela with maduro and i mean the situation with with supporting them without military, uh, you know, without boots on the ground, so to speak, I think is the correct option. Uh, obviously, so yeah. supporting the uh, the the revolt, we don't want so to get speak, ourselves into another it, war. You know what I mean? We're already in enough of them. No, absolutely. But I mean, here's the deal with Maduro. Of course, he's going to try to run with whatever he can get. If he's either going to try to run, or I mean, he's all he's already destroyed that country. Him and the last regime have destroyed that country with 
their economic policy. There, there's, there's the same sort of choices that have uh, we have for Kim Jong Un, also uh, up to Maduro. If he freezes yeah. people and backs off and tries to be a quote unquote honest um, politician, he will die. It's just the way it is. He is caught. He is causing yeah. too much havoc. And this is what yeah. this is what happens to socialist uh, and yep. or communist tyrannical yep. dictators. They all end up yep. dead. Very true. You're absolutely right, Doctor Branch. Go ahead. Well, you know, I I, I like what you all have to say. Um, you know, one thing I'd like to point out though is uh, the, what IQ said regarding Israel regarding the uh, defense. I, I do want to remind that when the Scud missiles were coming in, we did set up the pay, uh, the bank of Patriot missiles uh, protecting Israel. I just I just want to throw that out there. We did come to the protection of Israel uh, when, when uh, we had all those Scud missiles coming in. We did ask Israel to step down and don't uh, go to war. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to say the United States has helped Israel uh, in their defense as well. So I, I want to point yeah. that out. Now, regarding, you know, I, I, I agree I agree with IQ and, and Josh and, and, and people that are, step, uh, you know, saying that I believe that Maduro's days are numbered. Uh, he, yes, yes. What if, Dr. Brandt, I, I just want to throw in an idea real quick before you, before you continue about this whole Venezuela situation, and I want you to continue with your thought, but what if the USA took over Venezuela and Venezuela became like a Puerto Rico to the USA? Like it's one of our territories. Well, you know, they, they, I, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, I, I don't see that happening. I, I see, if anything, we would support democracy and yeah. the art of the deal in Venezuela, which would, you know, cut Russia out of their oil. And, uh, you know, I, I absolutely can see that, uh, you know, we are a large, uh, we were a large importer of Venezuela oil as well. Uh, and, you know, it, it, we have to understand this uh, all has to do with that oil, that oil reserve right. down there. Maduro's on his right. way out. Uh, and, right. uh, you know, the, the new guy, you know, if he lives long enough, uh may be able to see a democracy actually happen, and I think that we yes. need to support that democracy. Well, you know, well a new said. republic down there. We absolutely have to do that. IQ, I want you to respond, then I'm going to move on to the next topic. Very simple. I agree with him 100% because he agrees with me. We should, America should <laughs> not interfere, but the point that he made about the, the missiles, the Patriot missiles, not a single American was involved. You supplied them, true. But no Americans died on their behalf. And the reason oh, they supplied anybody died the on Patriot that. I missiles. I say we came to their defense. Right. Yeah, no, but there's no question that America's support of Israel is crucial for, America's, for Israel's survival. There's no question. We're not discussing that. The relationship okay. between them is some symbiotic. Both of them gain from the relationship. There's no question about that. And as you said, Israel did not retaliate against Saddam Hussein so that uh, Bush can keep the military coalition going. Yeah, exactly. So there's no question that America's support for Israel is of paramount importance. But what is extremely important that I mentioned, not a single American died 
on behalf of Israel, while tens of thousands of them died and got wounded on behalf of Islam. Very, very well said, IQ. Um, I do want to, uh, I do want to move on. I do gotta. We do have a stay on the line, everybody. We have a few more topics. Um, I just want to announce a few things before we get into some of the stuff. Um, it was announced on an article that Fiat Chrysler is reopening uh, a Detroit plant to bring nearly 7,000 U.S. jobs back to Michigan. So it looks as if, you know, and this is just one company, but there's been numerous companies so far that uh, are helping turning in uh, the Motor City back to what it was originally. I mean, we're trying to get it back to what it was, and it's, it's looking good under Trump. So, you know, this is a huge economic, uh, uh, you know, success. There, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this is something that it, we have, all have to be very proud of because when the car business in the USA is doing well, we're all doing well. The economy is doing well. So this is huge. Um, also want to say, let's see here, going through some of the notes. Um, you know, Donald Trump Jr. <clears throat> mentioned something really uh, great last night or the other night uh, on Fox News. And this is very important, and uh, I want to do a whole segment on this. So, you know, we only have a few minutes left in the show, so I won't talk about this in full detail today, but we will definitely get in detail about it next week. Donald Trump Jr. says now is the time to fight censorship online. Now is the time to go to war with all these big tech companies that are censoring us and not letting us have our freedom of speech. And he's absolutely right. If anybody can take care of this, and make an impact, it's his father. It, there's no doubt about it. President Trump uh, is very convincing. Uh, he's very straight to the point, and uh, you don't see people crossing him. You know, you don't see people messing with him. And people, you know, uh, most people respect him, and I think there will be something uh, in place that, uh, you know, helps this scenario and somewhat fixes it. I'm never going to say it's going to fix it 100% because Silicon Valley has their own games and their own rules, but I think there could be a significant impact and change. I'll say that. Um, let's see here. We also have uh, – okay, this is very important. This is great. There was a new poll out uh, yesterday. Majority of Americans favor a border wall over the Green New Deal by far. I mean, the border wall, Americans favor by like 63% compared to 31% for the Green New Deal. So, I mean, the border wall is a favorite by far when you're voting on those two. So I'm glad America hasn't gone uh, completely stupid. You only got that 30% that are ignorant and uh, naive and, and think this Green New Deal is going to be something miraculous. But they're completely wrong. Um, the most important thing, though, I want to talk about now for the last couple minutes is the situation in Virginia. So you had Governor Ralph Northam, who, you know, we all know the controversy that happened a couple weeks ago, or was it last month, I think. I, I don't even know anymore. Time goes so fast. But anyway, they were, they were wanting him to resign because of the whole blackface incident. And now there's a report out in the paper that his wife was telling black kids on a tour of the governor's mansion, uh, how to pick, uh, it was something like how to pick cotton, cotton. They gave them cotton. Well, she gave them cotton and, you know, wanted them to kind of feel like what the slaves had to go through 
which is absolutely the most racist and ignorant thing you could ever do to a little kid. I mean, this is off-the-wall atrocious. I want to get your thoughts, Josh. I'm sure you read about this. I like, did. Do these, people how... want to, do these people want to get caught? Do these people want to get in more trouble and dig deeper? I mean, seriously. Well, you know, for all we know, there could have been some sort of good intentions of, you know, wanting somehow to show that, you know, how difficult it was and, you know, even how after happy the, we even are. After the that this you know, even after the husband's well, controversy and – well, she's an idiot. I mean, that's that's plain to see. You want to after if this happened, I I, I wasn't aware of when, when this happened, uh, but if it happened after the controversy, I mean, she's an it absolute did. fool. You want to stay, you want to stay. Well, in that case, my goodness, you want to stay as far away from any sort of race relations as you possibly could. I wouldn't even exactly. bring it up. I mean, like, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, good lord. Yeah, uh, Dr. Branch, what do you think? I'm sure you read about this report. Yeah, I haven't heard that. So what she was doing is telling them how to pick on? She was basically trying to sh- she was trying to show them uh it was almost like trying to rub it in their faces, you know, uh you got to read the report, but it's absolutely crazy and it proves the racism. Uh there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's yeah, not you know uh, because you know we're we're down here in the Phoenix area, uh, you both yeah. you and I, and yeah. this whole area, Scottsdale, Goodyear, Goodyear Rubber Tire Company came to Goodyear, Arizona because of the cotton. Uh, Waddell Lake Pleasant out here was formed, and the Waddell brothers and the 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 Pleasant got together, dammed that up so that Goodyear Rubber Tire Company could have power down in Goodyear. And uh, because of our cotton, I drive by thousands of acres of cotton all the time. So, you know, I I don't, you know, I actually don't know what she said, uh, but if it was insensitive, I agree with Josh. I mean, you know, it's not time. It was very explicit. So I don't don't know what she said. I didn't see that. After reading it, I'm like, seriously, lady, after your husband was – Every majority of people were asking him to resign, and he didn't. And you're going to bring more racial shit up after the fact. I mean, do you do you like? Are you looking for attention or what? I mean, it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on, like you know, you, you're lucky that he he wasn't forced out of there, and now you want to push your luck. Give me a break. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things. Um, I also want to mention, you know, there absolutely is a border crisis. There were 7,000 illegal immigrants apprehended in one week at the Texas border uh, two weeks ago. And, we're t- and, we're, and the Democrats are trying to act oblivious like there's not a border crisis. IQ, I want your thoughts on this. Because, and then there were reports as well that uh, illegals were shooting at border guards about a week ago, and then uh, the caravan was charging the border as well. Well... <laughs> Honestly, my thoughts are very, very negative about the whole thing, simply because I cannot understand how it is possible for any patriotic American to allow illegals to cross the border. I, 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 you know, this is beyond my comprehension. No nation on earth, I mean literally, no sovereign no. nation on earth would allow its borders to be porous. None. Not Russia, not China. No nation, not even the smallest nation on earth. Look what's happening. Yep. They are putting borders everywhere in the Middle East, not only in Israel. Yep. 
The Saudis yeah. are doing it with Iraq and with yeah. Jordan. The other, I mean, we have uh, lines of de defense, we call them fences and everything else, in every country on earth. Why should America be the only one with an open border? Why, I mean, where's the logic? There is no logic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dr. Branch, I want to let you respond. Go ahead. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I, I want the I want the wall built. Um, you know, I, I have gone down many times to our borders here in Arizona, where you have a single strand of barbed wire as the border, single strand, and you could look down on the ground and see where people have walked across. You have uh, cartels on both sides of the border now running that area. Under Obama, they actually put up signs that's, that warned us, you know, 20, 30 miles to the border, be careful, known drug cartels in this area. Are you kidding me? We have the right and the duty to defend. Our Constitution specifically says that. That we yeah. have to, we have to, as Americans, defend yeah. our borders yeah. and and you know yeah. our country. And to me, it's yeah. just insane. And I, you know, I'm right. glad that IQ, from a different perspective, is letting right. people know this is all over the world. This isn't the United States. Yeah. I went to the yeah. Vatican. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy traveling Europe. You go into yeah. Rome, then you go to the Vatican's wall. with inside that. And you, they, the, the biggest wall you could ever see <laughs> yep. surrounding exactly. the Vatican. Then you have the you're Pope out, coming out and, and people condemning us for building a wall. It's like, are you yeah. kidding me? Hit, no, the, so, hypocrisy, no, I, hypocrisy at its finest. Hypocrisy at its finest, absolutely. And that's what you have. And when you had Janet Napolitano in this state as our <laughs> governor, Democrat, she asked for the wall. She demanded the wall. Yep. And now yep. she's one of the biggest opponents. Oh, no wall, no wall. Are you kidding? You <laughs> asked for it. You yeah. wanted it. So yeah. it is It is well, a huge problem. Not just the sex well, trafficking, that, that, not just the opiate, but just to defend our country. We need the wall. And, and that's politics for you. Um, we, are, we are just about out of time. Um, I want to get um, Josh... 30 seconds, give your thoughts on this, and then we got to go. Yeah, you know, real quick, here's the deal. The wall needs built, period. Uh, I think it is going to get built, and uh, the faster the better. Okay, perfect. IQ, tell everybody where they can find your book and find your information and connect with you. My book is called Lifting the Veil, the True Faces of Muhammad and Islam. It's on Amazon. All anybody has to do is Google my name, Al Rasuli, A L R A S O L I. And God bless you all. Thank you. Well, God bless you, IQ. We'll have you back again next week. Take care. Have a good weekend. Uh, let, uh, doc, Dr. Branch, tell everybody where they can find you. Let's go out on Facebook, Bob Branch, B O B B R A N C H. And I look forward to chatting with you. All right, Dr. Branch, we'll have you back next week. God bless you, sir. It's always great having you on. Thank you. An honor as always. All right. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V is in Victor, A-T-Y. Excellent. Always a pleasure, Josh. We'll uh, talk to you next week.
awesome. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. Uh, we will be back with all of you on Monday. Don't forget, we are on over 60 platforms uh, on the Internet, and we are also downloadable and listened to in 22 different countries. I want to thank all my audience. I want to thank uh, my co-hosts. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank my amazing sponsors. Um, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Please visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com today for your free consultation on your new mobile app idea. And also visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your Trump-customized uh, and authentic merchandise. You get so much to choose from. Um, but, yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, have a great weekend again, guys, and uh, I will see you next week. I'm Rory Sauter. Uh God bless you all. Uh, cheers, everyone.